welcome to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. We will explore God's Word to learn how we can live by God's grace and for His glory. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Here's your host, Noah Hooper. Welcome back to the Tall by Grace podcast. Today we continue our study through the book of James, looking at a very intriguing passage of Scripture in James 1, verses 9 through 11. The Bible says, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. The book of James deals with a vast array of issues throughout this brief letter, but there is one topic that is addressed and alluded to multiple times, and that is the issue of poverty and riches. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, he unveils the sinfulness of showing partiality to a rich man over a poor man who enters into an assembly of believers because God is no respecter of persons. Towards the end of the letter, in chapter 5, he reveals the impending doom of rich unbelievers. And you'll see there in the beginning verses of that chapter that is very vivid language describing what is coming. James largely condemns rich people throughout this letter, but today's passage reveals that both poor and rich believers would receive this letter. Though the audience of James is likely largely people who are in an impoverished state, he was also writing to people who were believers that were rich. So here we must take note of a biblical thread about poverty and riches. Scripture teaches that many times riches prevent men and women from believing in Christ. But Scripture also consistently teaches that the poor are sometimes more apt to trust in Christ. There is a general truth there that those who are more secure in this life will not turn to Christ, but those who are not as secure in this life are more apt to turn to Christ. That, however, is a general truth and not an unbreakable reality. The rich young ruler may not have followed Christ, but Abraham, Job, and Lydia did. These were rich people that did follow God. Likewise, just because someone is poor doesn't mean that they are in Christ. God loves both rich and poor. He saves both rich and poor. He uses both rich and poor people. You see, Christ's church is composed of both poor and rich believers. And that is precisely why James wrote this section for both kinds of believers within the church. The verses we're looking at today teach us the important truth of taking our eyes off of our physical condition, whatever that may be and turning them to our spiritual position in Christ. These three verses bear out the pastoral wisdom that James has for both categories of believers, and we must take heed to these verses. He sets the tone of this section by saying in verse 9, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted but the rich, and that he is made low. There is a very clear command to rejoice in verse 9. Nine, And it's not just to the poor man, but it is to the rich. He says, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich 
in that he is made low. He commands both the poor and the rich to rejoice. However, the reason why he told them to rejoice is very, very intriguing. He exhorted the poor to rejoice in their exaltation and the rich to rejoice in their humiliation. This passage has been really quite perplexing to me as I've studied it. It's easy to see what James said, but questions rise up when we ask, what did he mean? What does this text actually mean? Some of these are, why does he tell the poor to rejoice in exaltation and the rich in humiliation? How are the low exalted? How are the rich made low? There are many questions that come up as we read these verses. Now, we'll return to those in a moment. But before we see what James meant, we have to see what he said. So let's walk through these couple of verses. In verse 9, he says, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low. In this verse, we see a reversal of roles between the poor and the rich. The brother of low degree is exalted, and the rich man is made low. James uses the phrase low degree not to describe someone who's merely struggling financially or is at the middle of the societal totem pole. This phrase gives the idea, rather, of not rising far from the ground. So then, this passage doesn't just contrast two people in different financial statuses. Rather, it contrasts two people on the opposite end of the spectrum. The phrase low degree seems to be talking about someone's financial state, but in reality, James is really pointing out two people who are on the opposite end of the spectrum. James reaches down to the gutter of society with the brother of low degree and ascends to the skyscraper of society with the rich man. He contrasts the bottom with the top, the low with the high, the weak with the mighty, and the poor with the rich. But James doesn't leave them in the position as the world may see them. Rather, he recognizes a divine role reversal. He says that the brother of low degree is exalted in verse 9. He is lifted up from the meanest, the lowest position to the highest. And the rich man is plucked from his lofty perch of comfort and ease and made low. This is a role reversal. Now, James doesn't go into much detail here as to how either the poor or the rich are exalted and humiliated. He does, however, provide us with a botanical analogy to direct the attention of the rich believer away from his riches. He doesn't have to prove the poor that he needs to rejoice in his exaltation, but he does issue a reminder to the rich man about the fleeting nature of riches. He says, but the rich in that he is made low because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass and the flower thereof falleth and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his way. James invites us to view a plot of grass in Israel during the early morning. The sun rises and reveals the beauty of the flower ascending from the grass. It stands in captivating beauty, appearing to last forever. But the sun doesn't shine, just shine on the flower. It doesn't just reveal its beautiful flower in the early morning. Instead, the sun bears down on it, making it wither. 
the blossoming flower becomes a brown, shriveled up piece of grass that dies. And that, James tells us, is exactly how the riches of this world are. He says they will pass away. And this is the f- same phrase that is used by Peter in 2 Peter 3 in verse 10 when he describes the passing away of the current heavens and earth in the day of the Lord. When James used that phrase, he's delivering an undeniable truth. The rich man and his riches will pass away like they never even existed. See how the brevity of the flower connects to the brevity of the riches of this world. James tells us that it will pass away. The flower dies and the rich man will die. His end will come quickly. The sun rises in the morning. The flower is dead by the afternoon. In his end, all of his beauty will utterly end. He tells us the grass doesn't just die, but all of the beauty associated with it perishes. When James said the grace of the fashion of it, he was referring to the beautiful appearance that fades away. Do you see the connection here? He's painting a vivid picture to declare a simple truth. Just as the grass may grow in the morning and be beautiful and have blossoming flowers in the morning, but it is withered by the sun at the end of the day and it goes away and the beauty is gone. So are the riches of this world. They may be beautiful now, but they do not last forever. He used this vivid analogy to remind the rich believers who would read this letter that they could not find their identity in their riches. Now, I think there's also an application to rich unbelievers here as well, reminding those that if you are trusting in your riches and your identity is your riches, you are one day going to die. You will perish. And we'll see him talk about that later in chapter number five. But I think the direct focus of this passage is towards believers. So now we've walked through this passage and seen a general sense of what is going on here. But what is this all about? It's easy to see what is said in this passage. Yeah, we see that the poor are made high, the rich are made low. But what is meant here? We understand the analogy of the riches fading away and perishing. But what is going on here? What is James getting at here? One thing is very clear from these verses. James called these believers to rejoice by taking their eyes off of their position in this world and directing their attention to an unseen reality. The brother of low degree was still poor, but he was exalted in another way. The rich man was still affluent, but made low in another way. And James commanded both of them to rejoice in this. The word rejoice literally means to vault or glory in. In other words, whether poor or rich, Believers are not to glory in their physical position in the world, but something else. What then is that something else? We must seek to answer the question about how the rich man is made low and the poor man is exalted. And I think the best explanation is that James was calling them to find their true joy, identity, and contentment in who they were spiritually in Christ rather than who they were financially and positionally in the world. 
The poor man was not to be captivated by his present poverty, but to see instead that he's rich in Christ. The rich man was not to be boastful about his worldly riches because they do not last forever. Doug Moot commented well that James then exhorts both the poor and the rich Christians to remember that the sole basis of their confidence is their identification with Jesus Christ. End quote. Now that makes sense. James was writing to call these believers away from finding their identity in this world, whether that is in their poverty or whether that was in their wealth. And he calls them to find their identity in who they were in Christ. James told the poor to rejoice in his exaltation because he was exalted because he'd been made rich in Christ. A man may be poor in this world, but he is, as Paul said in Ephesians, blessed with all spiritual blessings in Jesus Christ. Friend, you may not have many riches in this world, but if you are in Christ, you are infinitely, exceedingly rich. He also told the rich to rejoice in his humiliation because his riches had no bearing on his position in Christ. Friend, you are likely... If you're listening to this, you're likely more wealthy than much of the world, but your wealth does not impress Christ. You and I may be blessed in that manner. Whether we are or not, it doesn't impress Christ. Your position in Christ is not determined by how much money you have in the bank account. That is why he's saying you must humble yourself. You must see your true identity. It's not found in who you are in this world, but it is found in who you are in Christ. So here then is the key truth James taught then and we must take away today. Believers must turn their attention away from their physical, financial position in the world and towards their true identity in Christ. Dear listener, you must not find your glory in your riches. They are as a piece of grass green and blossoming in the morning, but dead in the afternoon after being cut by a lawnmower. Your riches will not last forever, but your life in Christ will. On the other side, you may be overcome by your lack of wealth and finances in your position in this world, but you are rich in Christ. Whether you are rich or poor in this life, you must see who you truly are in Him. And in that, you rejoice. Are you rich in this world? Well, use your riches for God's glory. God uses rich people, and He is glorified through rich people. But do not find your confidence in your riches. Find it in Christ. You cannot impress the one who owns everything with your little dividend of riches and wealth that you have. He owns everything. Do not find your confidence in your riches. Find your confidence in Christ. Are you poor in this world? Don't be captivated by your lack, but turn to your eyes to Christ, who is your sufficiency. He is your wealth. He is your riches. Then turn to Him. Whatever your position you find yourself in in this world, you must rejoice in what truly matters. You cannot glory in the lowness of your position or the highness of your position. You can only glory in this that you are in Him and that He has lifted you up, or that He has humbled you, reminding you that it's all about Him. 
I think that is what James is really getting at here and what we, we must get at as well. It doesn't matter whether you're affluent or destitute, rich or poor. There is infinitely more to be treasured in Christ. We must refuse to be captivated by our physical position in the world and instead be captivated by our spiritual position in Christ. He is far better. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, I hope you will consider subscribing and leaving a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to it on. So I hope you will join me next week on the next edition of the Taught by Grace podcast.